It's my great pleasure this morning to uh, give the reading which is found in Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 8. Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, Do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you here this morning. Uh, And it's great to be uh, hitting the home stretch of the Book of Romans. As John mentioned, we started it way back in 2018. uh, And it's really great to come back to it over the next few weeks. And today's passage, and indeed the whole section's trajectory, really is governed by this opening verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, in view of God's mercy. The word for mercy here is actually plural. So really, Paul's saying, in view of God's mercies. So what mercies is the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, really, that's Romans chapters 1 to 11, which is all about God's wonderful mercies in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul, as we heard in the quiz, uh, opens with this uh, magnificent declaration. Uh, The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, all people, Jews and Gentiles. The rest of chapters 1 to 3, however, aren't as cheery, they're actually pretty bleak. They set out the great predicament of humanity, why people need salvation. And the verdict is in, all people, all tribes, all nations live under the shadow of God's judgment. No one has given God the worship he deserves. No one has loved their neighbour as themselves. And therefore there is no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the picture. But the wonderful news 
The thrilling news of the gospel is that when we trust, when we depend, when we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're justified, we're forgiven freely by God's grace. And this salvation comes through the shedding of his blood, Christ's blood on the cross. And through Christ we now have peace with God. Through Christ there is no condemnation. Through Christ we have the Holy Spirit who makes us God's children who conforms us to the image of Christ and guarantees we'll share in his glory forever. That's chapter 8. And that great mercy of God is for all people, including the Israelites. That's chapters 9 to 11, which we looked at last year. And so Paul begins, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul here is urging us to live in response to God's mercy. And that's what today's passage and indeed what chapters 12 to 16 are all about. God's saying here, it's time. It's time to give me your life. It's time to hand it over. It's time to surrender. But it's not an ultimatum, is it? He's not an armed robber holding a gun to our heads. He's the God who comes with outstretched arms and blood-soaked hands. He's the king who gave his life for ours. In view of this mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. Uh, Embedded in this verse is motivation. When he says, in view of God's mercy... He means the reason we respond to God in worship is because of his mercy. And the motive is gratitude, thankfulness. And that's not the same as paying God back. That's not what we're doing. In many other religions, uh, God does something good for you and as long as you keep on paying him back, the relationship continues. And it's a lot like the world, really. Often our relationships are conditional. I'll be in the relationship as long as there's something in it for me. But that's not our God. Indeed it can't be because it's impossible to pay God back. This is what Paul says just a little bit earlier. Who has ever given to God that should repay them? That God should repay them? For for from him and through him and for him are all things. Everything that we have comes from God not just salvation but all of life every atom in our bodies every good thing we enjoy every breath we take it's all God's gift to us even the good works we do God has given us to do and when we truly understand God's mercy to us it's truly humbling it's impossible to be proud to be arrogant or self-righteous, or self-important when we know that we're children of grace. That's why Paul says in verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. So our response isn't payback, it's, it's gratitude, it's thankfulness. I knew a wonderful Christian brother, uh, he's now with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. A brain tumour took him about 10 years ago. But even as that uh, cancer relentlessly progressed, uh, 
he received wonderful medical care. Uh, that meant his life was extended and he was able to spend a, a more quality time with his family. And after he died, his wife donated significant amounts of money to the hospital. She did it to help others, but she also did it out of gratitude, out of thankfulness. Sisters and brothers, we've been saved from death. We've been liberated from hell. We've been given a new hope and a new life. How can we not respond? How can we not be overwhelmed with thankfulness to God? Well, what does it look like to respond with gratitude and, and uh, to the kindness of God? Well, the last part of verse 1 puts it this way. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is a response to mercy here. Uh, worship is often described as what we do here on Sundays, right? And it is, but it's so much more than that. Worship involves every part of our lives, in private, in public, our inner life and our outer life. It includes our work, our behaviour in the schoolyard, on the sporting field, yes, even on the sporting field, our conversations at work, what websites we look at, how our conversations are when we're out with friends. It's all worship. It's every part of our life surrendered to him. And our worship must always be in accordance with God's word. Our worship must be always be in accordance with God's word because sometimes, frankly, we like to tell God what worship should look like, don't we? We like to tell him what he should approve of, how we should live, what our relationships should look like. But you don't tell God how to be worshipped. He tells you. A few years ago, I got this present for Liz, these headphones, and she loves them. Talk to her and she'll say, they're the best present ever. Now, the reason I got them isn't because, like, I'm an awesome husband who's totally attuned to the emotions and needs of my wife. Do you know why I got them? She told me to. (laughs) If I got to choose, I probably would have chosen something like this or maybe even something like this. We don't get to decide how to worship God. He tells us worship needs to be on his terms. That's why the scriptures are so central to true and proper worship of God. Well, here he tells us what he wants. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's a very kind of tangible and physical way of putting it, isn't it? Offer your bodies, give your whole body to God. Not as a dead sacrifice, but as a living one, walking, talking, breathing, doing. Now, I think he puts it that way, this way because he's saying that worship is not just every part of your life, but it's all of your life, 24-7. Try and think of something in your life that you do that doesn't involve your body. You can't think without your brain, though I try and do it regularly. You can't speak, you can't act. So when Paul says, offer your bodies, he's saying God wants all of you involved 
in worshipping him. Not 10% are tithes, that's yours God, but the rest is mine. Not 20%, not 40%, not 90%, but all of you. Worship is to be like breathing, and I've heard from experts that it's useful to do that all the time. Every moment for God's glory, every recess of our hearts, every corner of our lives, a whole life lived in obedience to God. Brothers and sisters, are you giving your life in worship to the Lord? Or is there an area of your life that you're withholding from him? A part of your life that you haven't given over to him? God wants you to allow him to transform you. He wants uh, you to allow him to free you from fear, from anxiety, from self-reliance, from greed, from anger, from grumbling, from bitterness, from gossip from lust, whatever it is that's stopping you offering your life to him in worship. Well, the language here of offering and worship also takes us back to the old covenant, the animal sacrifices that Israel offered to God in the temple. But here we're not a dead sacrifice, we're a living one. And here, uh, what pleases God isn't the aroma of animal sacrifice, but the aroma of our obedience. That's what's pleasing to God. And here, our whole life is the altar upon which we worship the God of the universe. Do you sometimes feel maybe significant, insignificant? Maybe sometimes you feel unnoticed, Maybe sometimes you feel like the things that you do doesn't matter, makes no difference. The thing is, when we do something in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever it is, it has cosmic implications. It has a cosmic impact. Washing clothes, changing nappies, filing documents, speaking gently to unreasonable parents, praying for grandchildren, whatever it is, when it is done out of love for Jesus and others, when it's done in obedience to him, it has cosmic significance for we impact the God of the universe. We put a smile on his face. We please him. Our worship never goes unnoticed by our Father in heaven. Well, Paul explains more what this body offering, whole of life worship looks like in verse 2. First he states it negatively, do not conform to the pattern of this world, that's negatively then positively, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, that is you'll be able to know and do what pleases God. On the negative side, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Apparently coastal erosion is a massive problem along the Great Ocean Road. There have been some articles in the news lately about it. The ocean tide, accelerated by climate change, uh, is reshaping the shoreline and that's really putting in danger the beautiful beaches and even the road itself. And Apostle Paul is saying, don't let that happen to you. 
Don't let that happen to you. Don't allow yourself to be shaped by the world. Now, there are obvious examples of the world's sinfulness, sex slavery, violent racism, the porn industry. But it's more than that. It's any vision, any hope, any dream, any worldview that rejects or even sidelines Jesus. That's conforming to the pattern of the world. And Paul is saying, by the power of the Spirit of God, resist. Resist. Fall out of love uh, with money and status and hedonistic pleasure. Fall in love with Jesus. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but conform to the image of Christ. That's the negative. Don't be conformed. And the positive is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a picture here of the Namib Desert in uh, southern Africa. It's apparently it's the second driest desert in the world, averages about five millimetres of rainfall a year. But back in 2018, apparently in one section of the desert there was about 20 millimetres of rain in two days. And then a few weeks later, this amazing transformation started to take place. Our succulents started growing, their seeds had, uh, had lain dormant for, for, for decades. And then about a week later, these stunning uh, flowers carpeted the landscape. How beautiful. That's the kind of transformation that the Spirit works in us. He renews our mind to think God's thoughts after him. He renews our mind to repent of attitudes that dishonour the Lord Jesus Christ. He renews our mind to love what Jesus loves, to rejoice in what he rejoices in, to be loyal to Jesus in every side of every argument. And he does it through God's word. You can't have a transformed life with your Bible closed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind they can know and do God's will. Well, what follows from 12, verse 3, right through to the end of Romans, really, uh, is Paul giving practical examples of what that worship of a transformed life actually looks like. Now, in our context, I reckon it would be kind of natural to maybe individualise these verses in 1 and 2. We're so very shaped, many of us, by our Western culture. And if that's what they're about, uh, individualising, if it's about my worship, what should follow? Well, I reckon a whole lot of instructions about personal holiness. But notice what actually follows. The Apostle here starts not talking just about personal holiness, but about relationships. Verses 4 and 5, in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We offer our body to God by offering our body to each other. That's what he's saying. Verse 10 of chapter 12, be devoted to one another out of love. Honour one another above yourselves. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Chapter 13, verse 8, love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And if you look at chapters 14 through and 15, they're all about Jews and Gentiles coming together 
in the church, loving and accepting each other. So when uh, Paul is talking about a transformation, a renewal that results in all of life worship, he's really talking about loving others. Worship is worked out in relationship. Transformation means thinking of yourself less and thinking of others more. Conforming to this world means having a a self-centred, me-first worldview. A renewed mind puts others first and humbly serves their brothers and sisters in the church. And so the Apostle is saying, you cannot worship God and not love his people. You can't worship God and not love his people. It's like a four-sided triangle. Impossible, right? It's a logical contradiction. Where his bride, his body, where his temple, God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. Where who Jesus shed his precious blood for. God is not just my father, he's our father. Worship, worshipping God means loving his people, his family. A renewed mind means moving from a me and myself world into an us world. And many cultures have a bigger sense of us, but they tend to think of it as blood family. But you also got to kind of think out of that as well because the blood of Jesus is thicker than earthly families. Like members of a body, verse 5, we belong to each other. God has bonded us together as a body and a family for eternity. And if that's not the way we think, we need our minds renewed, transformed, to change the way we view the people around us. Because the love for the body of Christ is what the worship of a transformed life looks like. And the way that love is expressed here in verse 6 is service. God has given us all gifts for that purpose to serve other people. And no one's missed out. Everyone who belongs to Christ has a gift to share. All Christians have been given grace by God to serve. So if your gift is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage then give encouragement. If it's giving then, give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do that cheerfully. Now many of the gifts here that Paul lists, there's something that we all do, right? We're all meant to encourage and and give, but clearly some have been gifted specially in those areas. And the list here isn't exhaustive. There are other lists with different gifts in other places in the scriptures. So really what the call here from Paul is, whatever gift you have, use it in the service of others. You are God's gift to us here at 10am at St Jude's. You make us a better church. When you're using your gifts, you help us to grow 
and to flourish like a body with all its parts working together. So sisters and brothers, how's your worship going? How's it going? Worshipping God means loving his people and loving his people means serving them. Now you might, might be sitting here this morning thinking, I'm not sure what my gift is. I'm not sure where to serve. I'm not sure how do I, how I find my way into all of this. If you're not sure about that, but you'd like to do that, please come and speak to me or to John or to Nat. We'd love to help you uh, find out what your gift is and how you might serve. However, even as I say this, uh, some of us might be feeling tired and a bit heavy, right? It's been a tough year. It's been a hard year. Lots of pressure points. Uh, it's, right, it's been reported that right across our society, people are feeling weary. We've had a bad flu season. There have been other challenges, but the big challenge really has been COVID right across our community, in churches, but also for us. Yes, we're out of lockdown, but we're still coping with a post-lockdown stress and fatigue and long COVID. People are still getting sick, though cases are trending. They seem to be trending in the right direction. Uh, I don't know if you've felt it, but lots of people are feeling more pressure at work, in their families as well. More people are feeling socially anxious. More people are struggling with mental health and more people are struggling more acutely with mental health. Well, what has all of this meant for us here at St Jude's at 10am? Well, a number of things, but let me mention just a few. Uh, over winter in particular, it's, me, it's meant fewer people at church each week. Uh, attendances kind of dip as we go through the seasons, but it's been less this year. Uh, some people have just mentioned to me they've been noticing and they've been feeling that a bit. However, though attendances have been uh, up and down, our congregation size hasn't really decreased. There's a few reasons there are fewer people. The reality is some of our brothers and sisters uh, who are joining us online still haven't been able to make it back in person. Uh, for lots of reasons, some I've already spoken about, attendance is more up and down uh, than it has been in previous years. You might even recognise that in your own uh, church attendance. Uh, we did start a new congregation uh, about six weeks ago and some of our uh, brothers and sisters have moved there so that might, might seem like that's the main reason we don't seem as full. But actually only about a dozen people have moved there and more than that have joined our congregation over this year. So circumstances this year have met fewer people at church. It's also meant, I think, that overall our general capacity uh, to care and serve for others is lower. There are fewer people on formal roster roles and some of us are on them less. And that means uh, those who are serving are feeling a bit more stretched. And in all this, the need for care hasn't really changed. We're still 
uh, running church services and small groups and all the things each week. In fact, because of many of these things I've mentioned, actually our care needs might even be higher. Does any of that kind of ring true for you? I reckon it's important to be open and honest together about these things. And I think God's word to us today is incredibly timely. My hope and prayer is that as we move through winter, as cases drop, things will get a bit easier. But in this moment, in his kindness, God has given us an opportunity to reflect. What does it mean to respond to God's mercy in worship in this moment? What does it mean to love and serve each other in this moment. Let me share some of my reflections. I'm sure there's more that could be said, but I'd be happy to talk to you later about your thoughts as well. Above all, I think worshipping God in this moment means exercising grace, to show each other the mercy that God has shown to us. So it's really important that we show grace to each other in how we speak to how we speak about each other. I know you know that's important. It's good to be reminded. I think it also means being kind and gracious in what we expect of others. Be wary of holding others to expectations that we're finding difficult to manage ourselves. It may also mean being kind to ourselves. If we need to take a step back from something... That's okay. But do it prayerfully and do it making sure our priorities are God's priorities, not the world's. This, I think, also means uh, being aware that when we step back, we are asking others to step forward, to step in. I think uh, responding to God's mercy and worship in this moment, loving and serving each other, in this moment means doing our best to meet the need in front of us. On Sunday we can't do everything, but when we're here we can be present for the people here. We can give a hand, a kind word, a warm welcome, a prayer, a listening ear. I think this means realising we can still love and serve each other even when we feel weak and fragile. Indeed, God does his best work through cracked and chipped vessels, doesn't he? I think this means doing our best for all of us, really, to chip in. In the past, often, uh, the bulk of care and service has been done by a smaller group of people. But because of the moment we're in, I don't think that's a sustainable way to do things. As we have capacity, we all need to serve the body of Christ. And isn't that exactly what God is asking of us today? In response to his mercy, offering our lives in worship, loving and serving each other with the gifts that he's given us. Let me pray. Loving Father God, we thank you for your mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If there are any, if there's any aspect of our lives which is not pleasing to you, please convict us by your spirit. Show us what it is. Show us what we need to release to serve you. As we feel uh, the tiredness, the weariness of this moment, Father God, give us the energy we need uh, to love each other, to show each other grace and to serve each other. Amen.